What happens when you sue the sexiest man alive? And then we take a look at the urban legends of misfits, creatures, monsters, forming a community and living on the outskirts of town. Almost every area has some form of this legend. But what happens when one of these urban legends enrolls in your college and joins your study group? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I'm doing little pistol finger guns. We're going to give a shout out to one of our legacy Patreon supporters, Gun of Liberty. Gun of Liberty. Everyone shoot at him. He has to dodge all the bullets. He's a little too slow. He's like, ah, should have stopped supporting the show before I got shot. Gun, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. Whatever vehicle we take, you're in charge of. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. That helps out so much. So, Gun of Liberty, we're going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to take a little road trip. We're headed out to Collins County, Texas. We're driving by a bunch of armadillos on the side of the road, waving to us. And (laughs) as they're exposed, predators are eating them. They're like, ah... But we save them. I love armadillos, so we're going to pick up a bunch of those little guys. We're carrying them around. I got a big old backpack full of armadillos. We're walking into this courthouse. We walk in and we see a woman standing there. That's not unusual. There are women in Texas, and sometimes they're in court. We walk in there. We see a woman in here. Now, this is an ongoing legal case, and I guess some of the documents have been sealed, so we don't know her name. So we're going to call her uh, Beatrice. So Beatrice, and that adds just a shot in the dark. If she happens to really be named Beatrice, I'm just guessing. But Beatrice is standing there. And we get past security with my bag full of armadillos. They let me in. We're waiting for the defendant to show up. So she's the plaintiff. We're waiting for the other dude to show up. And then, like, a bunch of doves fly in, like a beam of light. Whoa, it's not God. God isn't the defendant. Beam of light comes in. And in walks the sexiest man alive. One of them, at least, according to People Magazine. It's Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt walks in, armadillos are wrestling in my backpack, they really want to get a good look at him. Brad Pitt walks in, sits in the defense area, and the trial starts. So now we're going to do a little flashback. What happened was back in 2018, this woman, Beatrice, is sitting at home, and she gets notified via Instagram, email, something like that. Hey, you don't know me. (laughs) Actually, you know me, I'm world famous superstar Brad Pitt, but... I was wondering if you could help me do this fundraiser, because I have this charity that we help build houses in Katrina. Not in Katrina, they're building houses during the hurricane. They're building houses. (laughs) He has a time machine. He's like, shh, don't tell anyone. We're building houses during Katrina. It's hilarious. He was (laughs) rebuilding houses that were destroyed by Hurricane Katrina. He has this charity. It's called Making It Right or something like that. He asks this woman, he, he pitches this idea to this woman, why don't you host this fundraiser for me in Collins County, Texas, and I will come out myself, Brad Pitt, I will show up at this fundraiser event. So, you know, we'll, you'll be famous, you'll get to meet me, you know, that's always a benefit. And uh, we'll both make some money, most of the money goes to charity, but you know, we gotta get a little something for ourselves. So she is totally on board with this idea, right? Who's going to turn down Brad Pitt? So she begins a little musical montage of her, like, putting up flyers around town. And she's like, gals, you won't believe what I'm doing. (laughs) You won't believe what I'm doing. And they're like, what's going on, Beatrice? She goes, I'm hosting a fundraiser for Brad Pitt. She does all this marketing. 
She gets all <laughs> these people super excited in tiny little Collins County, Texas. Brad Pitt's coming, and I don't know where Collins County is, but I doubt, I doubt it's the most happening spot in the state. So anyways, the date comes, and Beatrice is all, like, super excited. She's like, oh my god, I can't wait till I meet Brad Pitt. I've only been talking to him online. I haven't seen any evidence that he exists outside of a movie. Everyone shows up, except for Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt does not show up. And everyone's super disappointed. She's like, what happened? You know, I spent all this time doing this musical montage. You know how hard it is to pull those off? So anyways, she emails Brad Pitt, and she goes, hey, I did everything you wanted. You didn't show up. And Brad Pitt goes, oh, I'm super sorry about that. Something came up. Something came up. So there's another hurricane. I had to go build houses in the middle of it. This is not a good charity. I should figure out something else. Tell you what. I'll do it again. <laughs> do this again. I will be there this time. Because we really need to raise money for this charity. However, I need some money. Like, because, you know, it's like a union thing. I just can't show up places. Like, when I go to the supermarket, the cashier pays me. I need, like, I need an appearance fee. So you need, you wire me some money. So you guys know where this is going. You wire me some money. And then I'll show up. You you do all the marketing again. You do what you did before. Do the musical montage. You give me the money. I'll show up. And then you'll get paid back from the money we raise and all that stuff. And she's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. It doesn't. But Beatrice goes out nailing up signs on telephone poles and stuff like that. Plastering flyers to the back of armadillos and rolling them down the street. She does the whole rigmarole all over again. Every, there's probably like 80% of the people are excited this time. First time, everyone was super excited. This time, people were like, ah, I don't know. It's the big day. They have this big fundraiser. And 80% of the people show up. Brad Pitt's a no-show. She's like, oh, man. Now everyone's super disappointed in her. This happens five times in total. Over the course of two years, somebody, somebody convinced this woman that they were Brad Pitt, they were going to come to her town, and she needs she needed to basically get everyone in town together, and Brad Pitt wouldn't show up. Now, the first, from what I can gather, so she got ripped off a total of $40,000. What I imagine, I don't know if this is accurate, because we don't have access to all the court transcripts yet, <laughs> it'll be hilarious when we do, but... This is how I imagine it. The first one was just a joke. The first one was just someone trying to see if a, a person would spend two months trying to convincing everyone Brad Pitt is going to show up. I figure like it was first a joke. And then someone goes, hey, dude, you won't believe this. This woman thought it was Brad Pitt. And someone goes, oh, really? And they then took on the mantle. Then they put on their Brad Pitt mask and was like, I'm going to take this even further. I'm going to get some money. I don't know. They could have been bilking her money out from the beginning. But over the course of two years, this trick worked five separate times. I would have loved to be there the fifth time. To see, like, <laughs> you're in a giant arena. Everyone's expecting Brad Pitt to come in. But at this point, nobody in town believes Brad Pitt is actually going to show up. That would have been hilarious to sit in an empty auditorium with, like, three other people. She didn't think it was funny. She's out $40,000, so she's suing Brad Pitt for $100,000. She's suing him and his charity. She said, Brad Pitt defrauded me. He kept telling me he was going to come to my town. I was sending him money, and he never showed up. So I'm suing him. Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt's response to this is, wait, what? What's going on? Huh? He goes, I didn't know anything. I've never met this woman before in my life. I've never talked to her. I didn't know anything was going on until my people got 
like court paperwork. Like, I have no idea what this is about. And the lawyers are the ones who are saying, we th- they, they, this is great that this is now in the legal system. The lawyers have introduced the theory of, quote, fake Brad Pitts. They believe there's multiple people out there impersonating Brad Pitt who were ripping this woman off. And the woman's like, no, it was Brad Pitt. And they're like, did you see him? Did you like meet him in person? Did you ever like, have a video conference call? Ah! It was Brad Pitt. And how dare you, Mr. Pitt, for saying that we never met because you also said you were going to marry me. At this point, I can imagine the judge, the bailiff, everyone just kind of putting their head in their hands, being like, oh my god, you got, you fell for two scams at the same time? You fell for the good old-fashioned fake Brad Pitt scam, and you fell for the marriage scam? She actually thought she was going to marry this dude? I don't think that Brad Pitt was... I mean, listen, I think Brad Pitt has better things to do than with his time than to rip a woman off of $40,000, although that would be hilarious. If you found out, like, Denzel Washington, great actor, great family man, he's also, turns out that he loves running pyramid schemes in his spare time. If you found out that he owned a bunch of, like, juice bars, and he's like, oh, no, 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 you come into the juice bar, and then, then you, you buy a juice bar, and then the people who go into that juice bar, they have to buy a juice bar. You can't lose money. <laughs> Both of his fingers crossing on his back. They're like, how do you run a juice bar? Your hands are always behind your back. He's like, I'm Denzel Washington. I can do whatever I want. They're like, yeah, I guess that's true. That'd be hilarious to find out that one of the biggest celebrities is actually just constantly, he's sitting, he's putting malware on your computer. He's like, oh, thanks for calling Microsoft. Uh, I can see your computer's locked up. And you're like, hey, wait, wait, aren't you the guy from Seven? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Yeah, can I get your credit card information? I don't think this court case is going to go anywhere. However, I did want to highlight it. One, because it is hilarious. Two, now the term fake Brad Pitts is part of the American legal system. But three, gun of liberty, get your guns ready because we're going to turn the lights down a little bit. We're putting on our conspiracy caps. I made a joke. Probably about 10 episodes back. You guys remember this? About the Brads. It was a real offhand joke where I said... There's a secret society of people named Brad. And you can't convert. You can't change your name. You have to be born a Brad. You can't just align yourselves with them. You only join this organization if you are born a Brad. You got Brad Pitt, Bradley Cooper, Brad Paisley, um, the Brad from that guy, the big old goofy guy on Everyone Loves Raymond, and then um, other Brads. Out there, they, you see, and you think you're Jason. You're like, you're just joking, right? You're just joking. That's how these conspiracies start, right? That's how these conspiracies start. Everyone goes, oh man, he's just joking. That guy, that guy is constantly laughing on his podcast. He's making it up. Dude, I bet you you can follow the line back of Brad's. I bet you you could find Brad's in ancient Egypt. Brad's of the Illuminati. So when we're looking at all these other groups, we're going, oh, it's them, it's them, it's them. There's really, right right behind you, right behind you, is that big old lunkhead Brad from Everyone Loves Raymond going like, oh, 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 Raymond, everyone loves you. Because no one knows of the Brads. You're like, what, 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 how'd you get there? And he disappears in a puff of smoke. The Brads, bro. And, I'll end the joke, I'll end, well, no, it's not a joke, it's totally true. I'll end it with this. I actually looked up the meaning. <laughs> I looked up the meaning of the name Brad. 
The name Brad in English means broad clearing in the woods. Oh, that sounds like a place where secret societies hang out, right? They, they don't hang out in like cluttered forests. Think about it. When you, if I told you to picture, picture a bunch of witches in the woods, what did you picture? You pictured a clearing. You pictured a broad clearing in the woods. That's where the druids hang out. That's where a secret society would hang out, right? Their name literally means meeting place of the satanic. And, and, stay with me, brats. We're getting ready to delete the show. We're on to you. And, get this, in Welsh, the name Brad means treason. So it's like the Welsh people were aware of this Brad takeover. They knew that these guys were eventually going to make their move. So they declared them traitors. Can you imagine being Welsh and finding out that your name is Brad? And they're like, hey, Dad, uh, what, what does my name mean? And Dad's like, treason. You're going to be a traitorous scum to the human race. Maybe the Welsh know something about the Brad conspiracy. Maybe that's why the word rad is so popular nowadays in the year 1986. So be on the lookout for anyone named Brad. And if you get an email from a guy named Brad Pitt asking if he can come to your hometown, don't do it. Don't. Actually, you know what? Do it. Do it. Do it. Because so you'd give me more stuff to talk about on my I just I just read that article today and I was like, just shaking my head. Anyways, let's go so with the time we have left and talk about these two other stories they're actually really cool they're actually really really good stuff and i'm glad i've kind of packaged this all together because we're getting ready to end the season so i'm I wanted to cover a lot of really good stuff to finish this out strong gun of liberty let's hop in that dead rabbit dirigible we're gonna take a real quick trip to florida we're specifically going to the florida everglade so we're taking that dirigible up. I still got a couple armadillos on me. This story was actually recommended by Bennett. He actually went through, longtime listener of the show, went through and found pig people in every single state in America. I think there was only three states that didn't have them. I wonder if there's one in Alaska. He gave me the list. He gave me this huge list and every so often to go through it. That's what we're going to pop around and check out here in the Florida Everglades were these squallies. So what they're known as. They're not known as pig people. It's not politically correct. And they're like, sir, we are squallies. This is one of those interesting stories where we see real life and fiction or possible fiction collide. And thanks for the recommendation, Bennett. In the Florida, and I got a lot of this information from the website Phantoms and Monsters as well. So I want to give them a shout out also. So in the Florida Everglades, there was actually this piece of land that was set aside for development because who doesn't want to live in the Florida Everglades, assuming you're not a swamp witch? I don't know who would want to live there. But they started to actually develop all of this property. They were calling it Golden Gate Estates. So there's actually like some roads apparently and there's some houses that were built and then they just go, why are we building them here? This is a horrible place. It stinks like a swamp. The developer's like, yeah, I should have visited this place. So it's been abandoned, and now it's called Alligator Alley, because there's just, like, alligators, obviously, a bunch of bears running around. I don't know if there were bears in the swamp. How do they swim? Panthers down there, that's pretty dope. A bunch of hogs running around. And the squallies, and the squallies. So what the squallies are, they're tiny little pig people. Well, and to be specific, they're tiny little people with pig snouts, so I think everything else is normal about them. And at their peak, people believe there was about 50 of these little squallies running around. 
Now, I don't know where they got their clothes. Maybe they were seamstresses and stuff like that. Maybe they all had like a class profession when they decided to mutate into a pig person. They're like, ah, I'm a blacksmith now. But apparently they had clothes and stuff like that. And of course, this is what's interesting because you have, this is very typical for these urban legends. We have a location that's remote. And it's spooky because you see kind of a half-developed area in the, in the swamp. Then you have to fill it with your imagination. You have to fill it with some sort of population. In this area, you came up with little pig people. Now you have to have an origin story. And we actually have a couple of those. One of them is that there was a government experiment that went wrong. That, that's one theory. The government was trying to, they're like, how do we build, how do we build the perfect pig person? I can't believe that the Soviets are ahead of us on this. And so they are grabbing people and like taking pigs and just kind of pushing them together, pushing them together until finally they morphed into one. That's how genetics work during the Cold War. The other theory is that they are a bunch of freaks, in, obviously freaks, but inbred freaks. So, like, people are banging each other, and then, like, they're banging people who are too closely related to them, and this keeps going on and on and on. Eventually, a big person pops out. And then that that's also how genetics works during the Cold War. Pig people are then banging each other, and then that only begets more pig people until eventually you have a population of the squallies. Some people believe there's still a bunch of squallies out there. Again, this is an urban legend that you would pass around high schools, elementary schools. Brothers would tell their younger siblings to scare them. Oh yeah, I saw I saw a squally the other day. It looked just like you. I don't look like a big person. You know, all that stuff, all that teasing. And then, of course, you have the legend of the guardian. You have someone looking out for him. There's a, supposedly an old man out there with a shotgun that chases people off. So that's why when you go to see the squallies, you don't run into them. You can be like, oh, maybe the guardian, like, made him go away or something. Maybe the guardian was having a pork roast party. Maybe he's eating a bunch of pulled pork. He ate all the squallies. Who knows? But you have these. These are very, very typical parts of the legend. And then you have the one piece of the story. Then you have a police report. So supposedly back in 2011, so very, very recent as far as urban legends goes, this was June 14th, 2011, there was a guy named James Scarborough. He's riding his motorcycle down the Florida Everglades, apparently it's a hydrofoil, and he wrecks it, probably because he's driving it through the swamp, but he wrecks it and the police show up and they're like, Hey, dude, what is going on? Why are you, like, just laying there underneath your motorcycle? And he goes, I'm sure he might have told that he laid there the whole time. He's like, oh, this is kind of comfortable. Hot exhaust right on his belly. He said he was driving down the road. And a boogeyman jumped out at him. Quote, unquote, boogeyman. The cops are looking at each other. They're like, I told you the boogeyman was real. And the other cop's like, oh, shut up, Mark. Boogeyman's not real. But he said the boogeyman jumped down in front of him and he wrecked his bike. So... He's in the general vicinity of this, and people go, was it a really a, a little little pig person? Was it a squally? Is that what he actually saw that got in front of the motorcycle? So you have that police report. Also, apparently in the police report, the police report, he smelled of alcohol. So whether it was a boogeyman or just he was inebriated, he's like, oh, I'm trapped underneath my motorcycle. Cops, he sees a cop's car is coming up. He's like, come up with the story. Come up with the story real, real quick. He's like, aha, the boogeyman. That'll get me out of trouble. This has all the hallmarks of a classic urban legend, a contained urban legend. This isn't something that you would hear about in Romania or Brazil. 
but you would be very familiar with it if you lived in the Florida Everglades in that area. Just the same thing if you lived in Brazil or Romania, they the, there would be cities in those countries that would have very contained little urban legends like that. And we got one more to check out. It's another recommendation. Gun of Liberty, fire up that carpenter copter. We are headed up to Canada. <laughs> We're headed to Huntington. That is in Montreuil, Quebec, Canada. It's a small town. As of 2016, they only had about 2,400 people. So it's a small town. But it has a legend very much like the Squally. This one was actually shared with me as a personal story from a Patreon supporter named Dave. So we're going to wave to Dave. He's kind of hanging out there. He's eating some Canadian Cheetos. And we're like, hey, what's up, bro? He's like talking with his mouth full. We're like, okay, you can wait till you're done with the Cheetos, bro. He actually has given me a bunch of video games on Steam too, so I appreciate that as well. I'm going to play some on my vacation. But takes he he, start, he he swallows his food and he starts talking to us. And he tells us this story, really interesting story. Dave tells this story. So he went to high school about 50 miles away from Huntington. He's 50 miles away. He's in high school, and one of his buddies starts talking about the Zulus. Dave's like, what? But he's like, oh, dude, you haven't heard about the Zulus? And he's like, no, I don't. What are you talking I've heard of Zulus. I know of the Zulu Empire. But <laughs> why are you bringing them up? He goes, no, 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 not those Zulus. The Zulus in Huntington. And Dave and his friends are like, what, what are you? Oh, just, just get to the point. We have no idea what universe you're talking about. And their friend tells this story about how in Huntington, on the outskirts of town... There's a group of humans, but are they human? The friend posited and paused a little too long. He says they have all white skin with white hair. It's falling out. Some of them don't have any hair at all. You're thinking albinos? He's like, no, no, no. These are Zulus, man. They're completely white. They're completely bald. They have no eyebrows. They don't even have eyelashes. Their teeth are crooked. Shlink! Jagged in each direction. They stare at you with bluish gray eyes. You're like, dude, you're just describing an albino, right? It's like, no, 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 they have pink eyes. And here's the most odd thing about the Zulus. They have no fingernails. I'm like, what? That is kind of a weird combination of details. Like, he's like, oh, no, 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 I'm not even done. And then he adds, because that's just like a physical abnormality. He goes, no, they're actually incredibly vicious as well. Inbred hillbillies is what I heard. Hillbillies in Canada, I guess they have them up there too. They're banging each other, see? Yeah, I know what inbred means, dude. He's like, okay, guys, I'm about to pull out a chart. He goes, these dudes, they're banging each other, and they're having more of these little freakish Zulu babies. And and Dave thought this was one of the dumbest things. He was just laughed. He's like, what? Because we've all heard these urban legends growing up. But usually we hear them when we're like eight or nine. Don't go down the tunnel. That's where Pennywise lives. You don't say that to a 20-year-old. They're like, gulp? Oh, no, I'm not going down the tunnel. You hear that when you're kids. And it was only 50 miles away. So Dave's like, what? No, I don't know. And he said that that became a running joke with him and his friends. They'd make fun of the idea of these pale inbred hillbillies running around. And kind of make fun of the friend at the same time for believing it. No, no, they're real, they're real. As he's getting dragged into the bush by a bunch of Zulus. He doesn't really think about it over time. And five years later, he's in college. And the teacher is setting everyone up with their steady buddy. 
And it's all random. You get picked with someone. He meets this guy. He's super nice. He goes, dude, one of the nicest guys you, you could ever meet. This guy was super dope. Hella chill. And we're sitting there. We're talking. We're getting, you know, building the rapport, doing notes and all that stuff. He goes, and then I, he goes, I don't really, he looked a little pale, but I didn't really think anything of it. When I got home, a little light bulb, bing, pops up. He goes, wait a second. He was pale. He didn't have a lot of hair. He didn't have any eyebrows. He didn't have any fingernails either. So he's thinking, listen, again, the guy in college was obviously not an inbred cannibal freak. Wasn't trying to eat him. They weren't in cooking class. He's like, oh, this this is my favorite class. Everyone looks so delicious. It's a super nice guy. He goes, people have albinism and things like that. But it sparks something in his head and he begins to do research, which he didn't do when he was in high school. And even if he had done it in high school, he most likely wouldn't have found anything. Because what he found was an article written in the Quebec newspaper called The Myth of the Zulus of Huntington. And it was a full-out investigation into this group. It was written by Marco Fourier. And these people are 100% real. They are not inbred. They are not... Vicious cannibals. I kept adding the cannibal part. <laughs> he never said anything about cannibals. They are not inbreds. They were not vicious. They were a very, very fascinating story of bigotry. What happened was they believe that a French settler, when he's coming over to the region, carried a gene that causes something known as Clostin syndrome. And it is all of the physical markers that Dave described. All You don't have fingernails, your hair's missing, all that stuff. Some of them have a little more hair than others, but it is 100% a very real genetic misfire. It's extremely rare, but it is genetic. And what would happen, is, and it's funny because all the time we talk about urban legends and origins and how these things work, take that template, even take the template for the squallies, and we can put it over this one. We can see how the legend is so close to the reality. What happened was, you had these people who were born with this uh, like 150 years ago, and they were ostracized. And then someone else who was still in that family was ostracized. And over time, those people, I don't know, they're not inbred. They're not inbred, but they had a distinct ancestor. But if someone with Clausen syndrome has a child with someone else with Clausen syndrome, there's a one in two chance the child will have Clausen syndrome. And because these people were purged from society, they could only really have sex with other people with this disease. They were pushed to a place called the Backtown. It was between two railroad tracks in Huntington. If you had Clausen syndrome, you lived in the Backtown. Your neighbors had Clauston syndrome. Your friends had Clauston syndrome. So when you got older, your mate had Clauston syndrome. The people in Huntington would not let you work in any job that required you to be in the public. There's one kid goes, a lot of them ended up doing IT work. There's one kid goes, I always grew up, I wanted to work at a gas station. I always thought that'd be so fun. But here I am sitting, sitting behind a computer <laughs> making 50000 a year. Oh, no. But you know what I mean? Like, people have different dreams. I love working retail. I love working retail. I love walking into the place and organizing all the, the merchandise. I love it. I love every aspect of working retail. 
That was his dream. But there, he was like, I knew as I got older, there was no way I could work with the public. And he goes, I'm really one of the lucky ones. A lot of people with this, they just became drug addicts. They got spit on all the time. The police used to come into this neighborhood, just knock down doors. Because they could. Other people in town would say, I remember when, who didn't have Clausen syndrome, they go, oh, I remember like on Sundays, my dad would get us all in the car, we'd drive to the back town. Drive through and view all these freaks. So in the town itself, it was known that these people existed. But as you got further out from Huntington, yeah, no idea. And, and pre-internet, pre-anyone really researching this stuff, it was just a local story. Dave heard it and didn't believe it. If there was no corresponding, like there was no article for that, Dave would have just went on thinking that even that guy, he wouldn't have been like, hey, you're not one of those Zulus, are you? You just thought, oh, this guy has albinism. And if I told you that story, the first part of the story about the Zulus, like I told the story of the Squallies, we'd go, oh, it's another weird urban legend, a bunch of inbred freaks running around. Nowadays, they've actually come a long way. No, no, that's not fair to say. Nowadays, society has come a long way into just accepting them for what they are. Because for the longest time, they were considered to be the way they were because they were syphilitic. They had syphilis. So you don't want to be anywhere near them. You definitely don't want to date them. So they end up dating each other. Nowadays, people go, it's just some sort of medical quirk. It's a genetic quirk. We know these things happen. And people say, you know, the kids today now, because they would basically get beat up at school. Nowadays, they go, I get teased every once in a while. It's not as bad as my parents had it. I heard my parents, you know, looking at him over there. He's all just doing heroin now. That's my dad, because they had a really rough go at it. You couldn't work. You got spin on every time you walked outside. You got people... 50 miles away talking about you eating other people. It's an interesting story. And thanks, Dave, for sharing that with us. It's an interesting story because it carries all the hallmarks of an urban legend. And it's true. There's obviously the embellishments. They weren't vicious freaks. They weren't running around eating people. That was my own embellishment. They didn't have syphilis. They are more than capable of of integrating with society. It was society that held their hand up and said no. Because they believed those rumors about them. Dave, who heard the story and didn't really believe it, he thought it was fake, when he came face-to-face with one, it didn't even cross his mind. But what if Dave's friend had met that guy? Oh, my God, you're one of those. There's a different reaction to that. And stories like this really make us have to take another look at urban legends. How many times do we hear of these stories and go, ah, it can't be true. Bunch of big people in Florida. But there probably was... A, at least a, a kernel of truth to that. There may have been a disfigured man or a disfigured family out there. And one sighting became five, and then five became 20, and then 20 became 50, and so on and so forth. But a lot of these urban legends have some grain of truth in them. But no one expects to go to college and, and meet one of them. So the next time you're driving in the middle of nowhere, Remember that the pig people could be real. The next time you're getting into your car late at night, just remember there really may be a serial killer in the backseat. And know that when you shut that bathroom light off before you leave the bathroom, and there's that quick glimmer of something in your mirror 
that could be Bloody Mary waiting to prove herself to you. Yes, I did just compare Bloody Mary to a group of people living in Canada, but you know what I mean. Urban legends are so easily dismissed as jokes to the point that you can laugh in someone's face when they tell you something. But they may be right. They may get the facts wrong, but the truth is often interwoven into fiction. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.